Welcome to the Tea with Brie. I'm your host, Brie. Thanks for listening. The Tea with Brie podcast is focused on deep, honest, and vulnerable conversation. Each week, I sit down with a different guest in order to have those conversations. Every week, we'll start with my guest's bio, an intro into how we know each other, and then we'll go into a deep dive conversation about whatever topic they brought to me this week. Today, I'm joined by my guest, Jessica Buck. Jessica Buck, who uses she, her pronouns, is a mother to her two-year-old son, Braxton, a girlfriend for over seven years, and the owner of Sunless Ray and Don't Call Me a Girl Boss. She grew up in Orange County, California and moved to Austin a year ago in October. Her boyfriend bought them their first house and they're so glad they made the move here. Hello, Jessica. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How about you? Thank you for having me. Of course. It is great to see you. Um, so for my listeners, Jessica and I met because she <laughs> does the spray tans for my friend slash roommate Shelby. Um, and so we met during quarantine and we kind of like hit it off from there and she learned that I had a podcast. I learned that she had a podcast. And so we thought we should podcast <laughs> together. So here we are. I'm so excited to chat with you today about owning a business, starting your own business, how your podcast feeds into that. And, and yeah, just, just jumping right on in. So tell us a little bit more about your business. Yeah, so um, I own Sunless Ray. I do mobile spray tans here in Austin, Texas. And then I still own a salon in Orange County, California. And I'm actually in the process of possibly opening a salon out here in Austin. We put the applications in. I'm partnering with someone. I kind of like want to keep that private because it's really exciting. But I will announce it soon once it goes through. And that's a four-month build-out. So be, I'll be working on that. And I also sell my own self-tan mousse set that I came out with during COVID. Nice. Nice. Um, what made you want to start a business? How long had your business been around? All those good details. Um, I have been in business for six years now. And I wanted to start a business because I actually got fired from my full-time like corporate type job. And I never wanted to rely on someone else for my income and give someone that much of me. I poured my heart and soul into working for someone else and they fired me like a drop of a dime, mm -hmm. like bye, you know, and it scared the crap out of me, to be honest. And I was like, wow, like I can't give someone that much of me ever again. So that's why I was like, I need to start my own business and getting fired was the hardest and the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. I lost my job earlier this year due to COVID. It was like the first time. Well, the first time I got let go for, from a job was in 2018. I got let go unexpectedly on a Monday, but two days later, I like got hired for another job. So like, it was like <laughs> a blessing in disguise. But then this year with COVID, like no one was hiring because the pandemic had like really ramped up. Um, luckily I qualify for unemployment, but I was just like, 
I totally felt that too. Of like, what am I going to do right now? Right. Like you, mm-hmm. like you're saying, you give your heart and soul th- to these places and then, you know, they'll let go of you without a second thought. Right. Or like that will yeah. just repla- replace you. <clears throat> and like- then your family, when it's convenient for them and you're a stranger when it comes to firing, you know, mm-hmm. it's just a total, they use you as a tool and a pawn in their chess game. Yeah. Like for me, I remained close to maybe one or two people that worked there, but you know, when, when they let go of me, I didn't talk to anyone from there, really. I was like, I was the only Black person on staff. I was not the last person they hired. Um, but they had said, like, they let go of me because of X, Y, and Z. And I I feel like that's still not true. Um, yeah. And so it's just been, it's just been interesting, like you're saying, like, how quickly people can drop you. Like, God, you know, they don't remember all the stuff you did because in that mm. moment, you're just like another stranger. So totally feel you of like wanting to start your own thing. And I recently got offered a full-time job at this nonprofit that I really love. And I think the only, re- one of the only reasons I accepted it is because it's an organization that is run by all black people doing activist work. But I, I don't think, but I'll still keep my business open on the side and just do some consulting here and there. But just to be able to keep that on the side going just in case because like it's like you're you're you've now you now have this other thing that you have to worry about to like if you've never been let go from a job you don't understand what that feels like to just literally know where you don't know when I think everyone should be fired everyone should in their lifetime be fired it is such a learning lesson and such a growth moment that you need to fall on your face in the corporate world and realize you need to work harder or you need to get out yeah. I mean, it was for sure a pivot, right? Like you have to, yeah. you ha- and then you have to think outside the box of like, what can I sell or do that people are actually going to want, right? Like me, my mm-hmm. consulting business on one side does nonprofit fundraising and marketing. And on the other side, it does diversity, equity, and inclusion work. Um, so on the nonprofit side, I'm able to help companies or organizations with their fundraising and marketing. But then on the other side, I'm able to go into these um, companies where they will pay me X amount of dollars to come in and tell their staff like, basically how they're being wrong. So to, to be able to do that, especially with everything going on this year, like that wasn't even the plan. I've been doing public speaking for years, but this year with between COVID and um, Black Lives Matter, it's just been like, it was like a weirdly perfect time to start doing diversity, equity, inclusion work, especially because there's not a lot of people of color who do this work, which I find ironic. Um, but yeah, I, t- I totally feel you of like, but I, the job that you're getting into is going to be fulfilling, you know, like that's going to feed your soul. Exactly. I was doing like mar- like SEO, search engine mm-hmm. optimization for small businesses, like putting your business on the first page of Google. Yeah. Yeah. I love helping business owners. That was some kind of passion, but like it was a, a shady business. Like it wasn't like I was fulfilling my soul. So it was like, okay, I need to just clean my hands of this. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think if anything, losing your job teaches you how to pivot and, and trust yourself again, right? Like you, mm-hmm. for me to like be a person who has had some sort of job since I was 16, 15, 16 years old to then have no job and not have a job until I started my own business. It was like a good three to four months before I started like, quote, like working again. But like how much identity is tied to your job? Like mm-hmm. for me this year, I had focused on like not dating to like really get to know who I am again. And then being let go from a job, it was like, it was like a double whammy. Like well, because have- people ask you like, who are you? And you're like, oh, I'm a business owner. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm in finance. Like that's mm-hmm. who your identity becomes. And that's mm-hmm. just not the way the world should work. But that just becomes our identity because that's all we do. You know, we spend 40 to 50 hours a week. 
Mm-hmm. Well, it's, such, it's also such like an American question of like, when we first meet somebody, like, oh, what do you do? And I've been trying myself to be like, what are you passionate about? Like, I'm trying yeah. to, to take that out because I feel like, like you're saying, we are so tied to what our titles are or the work that we do. And so for me to be able to say this year outside of you know, my work and the relationships I have, who am I? Like not saying I'm a good sister or a good friend, but who is Brie, just me as a person. So I think 2020 has taught us all how to like pivot and know ourselves better. And so, yeah, yeah. as everyone knows, it's, it's been wild. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, to say the least. It's still happening too. Still happening. Um, so with your business, you actually have a physical product. And so you have um, your salon, in Orange County, the one you're tentatively opening here in Austin, but then you also sell products, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and that's in stores and on Amazon or how does that work? So that is in store in Orange County. I have my moose available there and then I sell it on my website and I sell it also on Amazon. Nice. So three different avenues. And what I've actually found the challenge is it's easy to launch a product and get sales. It's hard to keep a product popular and keep steady sales Mm. (laughs) it's easy to launch it's very easy to launch it's hard to keep the momentum yeah I just interviewed um this woman who founded this like feminine hygiene product that is organic no chemicals um biodegradable and so she and I were talking about how she started doing e-commerce because even when she went into Target and Walmart, it was like still like pulling teeth to get paid that way. And so to hear like other people who are like, yeah, it's on my business, but then also it's here. Like you have, like you're saying, you have to always be covering all your bases just in case something Mm -hmm. kind of falls out. And I don't think people understand like the covering your bases of owning a business of constantly, not only like you're saying, keeping products in store, but then also word of mouth and popularity and, and making sure that people constantly know what you're doing. So kudos to you. I don't (laughs) It's a lot, but Amazon is its its own beast in itself. And so you can get a lot of new people viewing it that would never find your product. Mm. So I recommend anyone who owns a product should really think about getting on Amazon. Yes, it's annoying. Yes, it's tedious. You have to do a lot of work, but the payoff, you know, you can um, look at tools and really dissect how much a product is making on Amazon. So like self-tanning mousse is like a $15,000 a month product going through Amazon. So yeah, it's work. You're, it's going to take time. But once you put that time in, it could, you know, really take off your business. And that could be your primary channel to sell if you want. They take a commission, of course. But I mean, if you're advertising on their platform, of course, they're going to take a cut. Right. Um, so I also want to talk about your podcast. I feel like that ties into <laughs> your business. Um, so it's called Don't Call Me a Girl Boss. Um, tell us a little bit about your show and, and what made you want to start that and how it ties into your business. Yeah, so I have always loved helping small business owners. I've always found the best way for me to grow is to connect with other business owners and something a little bit different than I do in the beauty service, food, whatever it may be, even with influencers as well. And just kind of creating a network. And when COVID was going, I always wanted to start a podcast. I remember listening to podcasts a little bit. And they were unrelatable. They were millionaires talking to millionaires. And I'm like, okay, like I want more of like the me and you people on a podcast, mm-hmm. not these people already in Target. You're like, yeah, that's great. But like, how did you get there? Right. You know, they skip on that so fast that it's like, wait, like, they're like, yeah, I struggled. And then they move on. I'm like, oh, oh there was so much more in that. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was craving in a podcast. And then I, um, during COVID, the PPP loan came out for small businesses. 
and I was really passionate about trying to help other beauty girls specifically apply for the PPP loan because there was so much just people not understanding it and just they just needed resources. So I started helping people apply and I realized how much these small business owners are good at what they do, but they don't know anything about the business aspect. Mm. So they're amazing at hair. They're amazing at brows. They're amazing at nails. They're amazing at um, just whatever service that they're offering or even product that they come out with, but the business side they struggle with. And so I wanted to create a platform that could help kind of cover that gap a little bit and just bring some insight into actual people, me and you, the girl down the street who started a business that you can really relate to and just talk on a more personal level and figure out how to start your business and just ask like the hard questions that people don't really talk about. I love that. Yeah. I leaned into my friend, Kelsey, who's been on the show before um, when I started my consulting business, cause she does consulting and you're right. Like having someone who will, either talk to you through or walk you through things is just so beneficial and in, in being able to kind of share those stories of like the difficulties you face. But like you're saying, you hear all these people who are like, yeah, I struggled. And then like, you're like, okay, but what was the struggle? What did you have to go yeah. through? How did you get through it? So I love this. And, and the fact that, you know, it's a lot of small businesses, especially, you know, with everything going on with COVID, it's been so important to support small businesses and local businesses. Um, here in Austin, we've been seeing a lot of small local businesses shut down because they can't afford to stay open. So I love yeah, this idea of like, yeah, of, of connecting with, with folks and, and, you know, that's also another way of like marketing a word of mouth, like, Hey, I was on this show and you'll hear from me. And then a bunch of other people who are doing similar work. So yeah. Well, and you- it's great because one more thing, sorry, is no, you're um, good. women. Okay. The whole point of social media is to share your story. We want people to know us on our platform. So when you give someone a platform to actually talk and tell their story, business owners and people just jump on it because that's all we're trying to do. So I'm kind of giving them a platform to be like, tell us exactly what your story was so that you can push your clients and followers to this so that they can really get to know you as well. Yeah. That's why I tell people why I started this show. Like I I, one, could talk to people all day, um, but I wanted to be able to share my space and my platform and knowing that I have a lot of privileges of being in a lot of spaces. And so I wanted, like you're saying, to just kind of give people another way of being out there and and ways to share their stuff. So I totally relate to that. Um, I think one of the interesting things you bring up is working with influencers. Um, (laughs) That's how we met because Shelby is one. And I... I want to know how that process goes. I I think Instagram itself still fascinates me. And I've been on since 2012 when it first started. Um, And this year alone, like my following has grown like double. And with me trying, well, with me remaining the same sort of voice, like, yeah, I have way better photos because Shelby takes them. Um, But (laughs) um, uh, someone someone who follows me the other day made the comment of, you know, I think I love your, I love your page so much because you have all these beautiful photos, but then also your captions are so real and relatable and vulnerable and honest. And like you're saying, we want stories. That's why we go to Instagram to see these photos and and hear what people are going through. So I want to know how you've been using Instagram, working with influencers to help grow your business as well. Yeah. So I worked with my first influencer. My first influencer found me in Orange County actually. And it was because I was working 
so when I first opened my spray tan business, I was like, okay, how can I be better than my competition? Like, yeah, we're all great spray tanners. So I was like, I'll work 24 seven. Like no one else will do a spray tan at one in the morning. I will. And (laughs) it was stupid. Don't ever do that. But that's what I did. (laughs) And (laughs) I had an influencer, I guess, post and was like, hey, I'm looking for a 24 hour spray tan artist. Does anyone know someone? And then one of my clients tagged me in it. And I was like, oh my God, yeah, I'll hook you up. I'll do it for free. Like whatever. I was so excited. Mm -hmm. She was like a makeup beauty influencer and she was best friends with James Charles and like that whole like sister crew. Yeah. And and this was before he was like super big. This was like Mm -hmm. when he was like at a million, maybe less. They were like just growing. This was like a couple of years ago. And so I spray tanned her and then um, she connected me with James and his other friend, Laura, and then her Cassie's her name's Cassie her best friend Jesus so I was spray tanning that whole circle for like a while I would say like a year maybe longer and that really helped grow my Instagram account so that's why I have like a a decent amount of following and it was from working with those influencers and having them tag me I did services for free I would spray them at 11 o'clock at night I would be literally on their beck and call and I actually when I was pregnant I remember texting me like like 11 30 12 like hey can you do a spray tan and I was like I can't like I'm so freaking pregnant like there's just no way I could drive he lives in LA I was in Orange County it was like a 45 minute drive I could barely move and I was like I can't and that was when they kind of like stopped using me which is which sucks for me but I also moved eventually so it's fine but yeah it's like if you're not on the beck in, in California the Austin influencers are different in California, those type of high profile influencers, you can be cut out very fast. Mm. So that was hard. And I don't even think they've tagged other spray tanners. Maybe they just like pay now. I have no idea. But um, yeah, so that's how I started working with the influencers and realized the influencer power. And so while I was working with them, I was reaching out to a lot of other like micro influencers and just building that. And I was getting a lot of influencers just from working with them. And so I kind of became known as the spray tan artist in Orange County that worked with all the influencers. Like I was really, I got really popular for spray tanning James Charles. Like I gave him his very first spray tan. <laughs> and, um, and so when I came to Austin, that was kind of how I was going to build as well. I was going to provide a very high end service, have a very low price point in the beginning and slowly go up and reach out to influencers in the area to give me credibility and build my following and get eyes on my business because I don't have like the budget to be paying for ads and all of these things. Mm -hmm. And influencers, if you provide value and provide a service that they want or already paying for, they'll usually work with you for free. You just have to find that niche and that exact influencer. Some influencers are like, no, you need to pay me because they don't really want to spray tan. And then you'll have other influencers like Shelby. I'm like, no, I freaking love spray tans. Like, please come to me whenever, you know? And so it just, ends up being more of a friendship like I would consider Shelby a friend now Mm -hmm. and would go hang out with her so it ends up becoming like a relationship but you have to write write, find the specific influencers actually you know be like oh wow we like like each other you know it has to be a fit Mm -hmm. you can't just like force it on influencers interesting I I think like me living in a bubble from you know I, I come from Connecticut and so like hearing that so when I moved, let me back up. I moved to Texas in 2016. I've lived in Austin for the last four years. Um, so when I, I had never really known like influencers until I moved here. Like it wasn't even a thing back then. Wow. 
Um, so it's just always so interesting to think about of like, because like now we have like people in Connecticut who have like large followings, but like, obviously it's like people like, I don't know who they are or what, what have you, but it's, it's always so interesting to me, like that dichotomy between influencers and being influential people and just, and so like hearing what you're saying of like, just because, because you were so pregnant and couldn't go into this break and like, well, okay, bye. Like I never, <laughs> I don't think I can ever understand like just dropping someone like that, especially someone who's pregnant and has well, done this when, for years. When you're someone like James Charles, a celebrity, mm-hmm. you have people on your, you know, they will do whatever, whenever. So I think when you get to that level, like James is an awesome person. This has nothing to do with him. Yeah. It's just like, why, you know, like there's other great spray tanners, you know, in LA. So there's no shame. And, you know, I'm not hurt by what he did. It's just the name of the game. Like, you know, you get pregnant, things happen, you move, you lose influencers. Like that's just what happens and you move on and you try and gain new ones in a new area or whatever. So, you know, if you get pregnant, if you're, um, can if you're on vacation when an influencer reaches out, they'll go to the next one. And that's like that with any client, you'll lose a client like that too not just influencers. Like if you can't do it at a specific time, they go to someone else who maybe did better or just as good as you. They'll use them now. Mm-hmm. Oh no. So I that's the name of the game. Like I always laugh at myself because there's, <laughs> I feel like I have like such brand loyalty to people. Like there's only, there's still only one nail salon I'll go to when I'm home in Connecticut <laughs> or like, <laughs> and it's just there are like, people like that. There I are just can't 100%. do it. Like, I just feel like such I don't know it's just always a thing that I think about often of like could I like am I like uh, we have a girl who comes and does our nails here and I she went she went away on a trip and so I went and got my nails done by someone else Jeff because you're cheating on her I was like I know I feel so bad but <laughs> my nails look like crap so uh yeah, I, t- I totally just, get that but still it sometimes sucks like, oh. but yeah I'm pretty loyal as well because I know that what it could be like on the other end yeah so I try to stick to my people but um yeah, if someone's gone, what are you supposed to do? Not, you know, beautify yourself? Like that's, or any service, you know? True, true. Um, I do want to talk about you being a business owner, doing all this work and juggling that with being a mom because <laughs> as we all know, being a parent, specifically a mother is a full-time job and your kiddo is two. And I'm just like, <laughs> that's a, two is a very tough age um I actually my friend I babysit her kiddo twice a week and he's two um and she's like just some days I just need a little bit of a break and so you can come hang out with him for a few hours so how has that been Mm -hmm. with like being a business owner you know are you now I'm assuming you're not you're not doing the 24 hour anymore um but how how are you juggling that with being a mom and running this business so I my boyfriend is fortunate to not be working right now. Not fortunate. He lost a job because of COVID, but he is fortunate that he's still in unemployment. And so it's kind of given me the, the opportunity to really dive into my career and focus on what I want to do. So he's home all the time. So I'm kind of able to have that flexibility to do whatever I need to for my business. Like right now, be recording a podcast while they're like making pancakes downstairs. You know what I mean? <laughs> So without him being able to support me like that, it would be very difficult. Um, I do utilize nap times. <laughs> so his nap time is usually from like 12 to 2. So from 12 to 2, I'm usually always working. And then I get a workout in. And then I work when he goes to bed. So he goes to bed at 8. And I'll work from like 8 to 10. So like that's just the sacrifice you have to make when you have a child and a business. You have to make it work. So nap times 
and when he goes to bed or like my work time which is hard because it takes away from my relationship a little bit because that's our only break as well mm-hmm. like last night I'm trying to launch an ebook actually for how to work with influencers for free well with no budget so I'm trying to launch those through my podcast as well and um, I was working on that last night my boyfriend's like can you put it away it's like Saturday night and I was like what what do you mean Mm -hmm. I want to get this done for me it's like okay I could be making potentially more money from this it's gonna be a very affordable it's like 9.99 but I want to get it going because I want to see how it does Mm -hmm. but it's constantly trying to balance all those things and you know nurture every relationship and even my business my son my boyfriend because yeah I have this free time but that doesn't mean I'm gone all the time like I get major mom guilt so if I'm gone for say five hours, I'll feel like shit because I'm a bad mom for being gone out trying to make money to support my son. That's how messed up it is, you know? So it is a constant battle and I'm figuring out how to balance that and still feel like a good mom and a good business owner and a good girlfriend because it's a, and you know, manage a household that's constantly dirty. (laughs) So it's like, it is a lot, but I don't know. I feel like I can keep taking on more. Like, I don't feel overwhelmed. And that's just me because I'm crazy. I don't know. No, you're preaching (laughs) to the choir. So, like, I saw a friend yesterday and he was like, what did you do last night? And I was like, I worked. He's like, on a Friday, I'm like, when you work for yourself, you're, like, never not working, right? Like, you are always trying to find time and and people are like, but you work for yourself. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't change anything. Like, it's still Mm -hmm. (laughs) the same amount, if not more, because, like, because I was doing contract work, like I'm on my own schedule, but then also like the people I contract with might call me for something out of the blue or a meeting might pop up. Like it's always kind of like you're always hustling. And so I totally hear and empathize with you of like trying to find that balance. But even still like today, I'm like, I could probably get some work in today. It's Sunday. I should not be working, but you know, there's things you're always preparing for and things you're trying to get ready. And then like you're saying, balancing relationships and then also trying to keep your business afloat it's just like I I wish more people understood that I think people think working for yourself is like a walk in the park and I'm like it actually might be a little bit more difficult because there's no separation like you are your business and your business is you and you represent you and what you offer at all times so well that's why a big thing of why I even named my podcast don't call me girl boss is because of the stigma behind hashtag girl boss Mm. it is a stigma of owning your business is beautiful and amazing and rainbows and butterflies and I get a mug that has hashtag girl boss on it and I'm a business owner you know and it's just such a facade it's like not real I got that's why I hate that term so much one of the reasons and it's because it has like that stigma of being like you know, it's fun and I'm a girl and I'm a business owner. A lot of it's MLM people mm-hmm. who dive into a business overnight and are business owners, you know, quote unquote. And so that's where not I get frustrated, but I wish people realize the grind and the work that you have to really put in. Because like I mentioned before, it's easy to start. It's hard to keep it going with mm-hmm. anything, whether you're an influencer coming out with a product no matter what it is I can launch something tomorrow but that doesn't mean I'm gonna stick with it a month from now and that's what happens with a lot of people who start a podcast that's what happens Mm -hmm. with a lot of people who oh I'm gonna be a blogger you know oh awesome let's see if you actually follow through with it and see 
how hard it is to create content. Like people will talk crap on influencers all the time. And I'm like, you guys have no freaking idea how hard it is to look good all the time, buy those nice clothes and then go and put yourself out there in these in probably in public Mm -hmm. to take these photos. Like you guys have no freaking clue. And if you did, you would be doing it, but you're not. Yeah. Yeah, Like, like you're saying, it's easy to start it, but continue it. And it, and I, you kind of touched on this, like the MLM stuff. Like I have a lot of friends who start not air quotes, but air quotes, start businesses through MLMs. <laughs> and I'm like, um, this already exists. Like, what do you, what do you, it's, it's just, it's just a different way to look at things of like, I wish more people understood, like you have to pay for so much stuff out of pocket, right? Like, uh, if you pay, if like, if you run ads or do marketing, your website, like all these things that you mm-hmm. have to create to get things in place and, you know, when you start your own business and you, you know, if you have to send invoices and contracts and all these different things that go, that go into it, it's just the ground up. And then now living with Shelby, who is an influencer and being able to see the behind the scenes stuff. Cause I think people have the stigma of like, oh, they just go out and shoot pictures. And I'm like, no, there's so much <laughs> to this. And yeah. I, I wish, like you're saying, I wish where people understood like from making sure your lighting is good to your edits are good to making sure you actually got the shot to now you have the photo to send it and get, um, get it approved. Someone might not like it and they might send it back and ask you to go back out again and shoot it. So yeah, there's just so much that goes into actually building your business, actually building your brand. And it's not just like, like you're saying this girl boss, like it's not like this floofy rainbow thing of everything's always great. It's like some days I, I love working for myself, but other times like, you still are able to love what you do, but get frustrated and hate the things that you have to do, right? Like mm-hmm. I am in a position now that I can say no to people that I don't want to work for, right? Like, but if I ever got to a point where like, it's either work with this person for X amount of hours and pay a bill or not pay a bill, it's like, it's still that balance too. Like you you can have all these things in place that you want to do and then still be like, oh crap. So, mm-hmm. But that's why we're creating these platforms and having these conversations. Yeah. So hopefully those people can get a different insight to what it is I remember seeing a comment and someone was like talking about how hard it was being an influencer and someone commented on it oh it was an influencer I follow and her husband is going to school to be a doctor Mm -hmm. and she was complaining how hard it is for him to always be studying and her not being able to spend time with them and someone commented on it and was like you are a full-time influencer and are able to be a stay-at-home mom you are not able to complain he's going to be a doctor and he is glorified and he's sacrificing everything for you. And I just remember seeing that. And I was just so appalled because I'm like, first of all, like you, she wasn't trying, she was doing the same thing he was and was complaining mm-hmm. that as well. And I'm like, you don't have to go be a doctor. You can go be a stay-at-home mom influencer. Like why make fun of someone else because of their complaints when you have no idea what the inside of their mm-hmm. life looks like. Right. And that's the thing too with Instagram. And I've said a couple of times in the show before, like, because of social media, people think they know you and they get to have an opinion so much. And so like that, that's the the thing too, about being in a business. And then also like people recognizing your name or your brand, it's like, they feel invested in knowing everything about you. And I'm just like, I'm the queen of being like, you don't have to post everything. Like, and you, <laughs> and you don't owe people an explanation, right? Like you are able to, like I said, Instagram, a lot of the time is the highlight reels and we are able to post what we want to post. But I think that's why mm-hmm. I've been so big on like posting that my life isn't always rainbows and sunshine because people think that like, then you don't have a reason to complain. I'm like, that's not like we're human. <laughs> we're still going through things and there's always ups and downs, but yeah, I just always, like you're saying, that's just 
people people are just sometimes the worst and I don't think and I and I wish that we could just like be more patient with each other and and see like yeah we have this sort of privilege that we are showing with you but like you're saying you don't know what's going on outside of that mm-hmm. or you know go do it yourself if it's that easy right <laughs> which I don't know no thank you <laughs> uh uh, well, I thank you so much for chatting with me today. I will be sure to link everything in the show notes from your Instagram to your website and your business. Um, but as you may know, at the end of each show, I like to end with a palate cleanser, something to kind of leave us on a high note by asking the question, what is the best advice you were ever given or what's a piece of advice you would give to your younger self? My younger self. I honestly would just tell myself that it's going to be okay. I was not a healthy teenager. My parents divorced young. And so I drank a lot and was running from a lot of demons. And so I would just tell myself that it's going to be okay. Stop drinking and just trust yourself and know your worth. And I would just give her a hug and just tell her you're going to make it because these aren't your younger years are just so hard and I was just so lost and I just wish I could see a glimpse into who I am now because that was what I was most terrified of. That's it for this week's episode of the tea with Bree. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the tea with Bree. Send us an email at the tea with Bree at gmail.com and visit the website, the tea with Bree podcast.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. A special thanks to Mama Duke for our theme music, and I will talk to you all next week. Bye.